Welcome to Grover Center's Conversations on the Street, a Shelby County Bicentennial podcast project hosted by Grover Center and recorded in its exhibit, The Streets of Old Shelby. Over the course of this next year, we'll be taking a look at the fabric of Shelby County, how our past informs our present, and what legacy means to different people. Each episode will examine our historical events and figures, as well as contemporaries on the chosen topic through conversational interviews. At the end of each episode, we'll also be featuring musical selections from local musicians. This is Conversations on the Street, and we're so glad that we ran into you. If we were to go back to 1821, when Shelby County first formed, it would almost be impossible to recognize the county. Present-day fields were filled with thick forest. Fallen trees were so large in both scale and volume that waters had nowhere to go, and for over half the year, the land was swamp. These trees, which had started as a hindrance, would go on to serve the communities well, first by supplying the essentials like firewood, tools, and housing, to eventually a means of revenue. In fact, a little over 100 years later, in the 1920s, Shelbyville had over 20 furniture manufacturers, with names like Spiegel, Conroy, Pyrely, Davis, Campbell, Blanchard, Hamilton, and Hodel counted among them, all of which served as a testament to Shelby County's growth as an industrial powerhouse. Yet it wasn't the businessmen who laid the foundation for such an industry to exist, and it wasn't just access to raw materials that allowed it to flourish. It was a furniture craftsman from Ohio named Joseph Cummins who came to Shelbyville in its infancy in 1841. A few years later, Mr. Cummins was able to purchase a steam manufacturing company and introduce steam power to creating his furniture one of the very first in the county, and he sold the furniture for wholesale and retail. While his main business was cabinet making, as the community thrived, a divide in economic standing began to form, and a different type of service was needed, coffin making for those that could not afford them. Mr. Cummins' early contributions showed that a business could be more than a money maker. It could assist those that needed a hand. Today, I'm joined by Craig Wilson, the director of Shelby Supply Company. Thanks for joining us today, Craig. Hey, Alex. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be a part of this project and to share a little bit about what the Shelby Supply Company is. You know, and, and on that, can you tell us a little bit about the Shelby Supply Company? Yeah, so it's a, it's a broad name uh, that actually kind of covers three different kind of components or three different legs. Uh, the first is, you know, our goal is eventually to have a community makerspace here in Shelbyville. Uh, there's a rise in the maker community. I think that a lot of people uh, are finding so much satisfaction and joy and pride in working with their hands. And so being able to have access to high quality uh, equipment and tools that maybe you can't afford on your own or you don't have room for in your garage, you know, to be able to have access to that. And so our hope is that within this makerspace, individuals from the community will be able to come and you can pay either for a day or for a weekend pass or even a month long pass um, to be able to come in and use our equipment and have individuals there that know how to use the equipment safely that can teach you. Uh, But if you see something on Pinterest that you like, or you're watching a TV show and you really like something that you see, you know, our hope is that our community will come and and find uh, just a lot of pride in being able to make for themselves and have products in their homes that they've been able to make. 
So the second component uh, has far more to do with education. Uh, we are hoping to launch a program where individuals that may have a past life experience, uh, could be incarceration, could be addiction, could be homelessness. Uh, honestly, it could be a lot of things. Uh, and their goal is to try and find long-term employment. Uh, our hope is that those individuals will be able to come in and they will learn soft job skills and hard job skills, uh, meaning they'll show up you know, here's what it looks like to show up on time, to be respectful. Here's what you wear at work. Here's how you work with other people. Um, those type of skills that are going to apply to any type of industry, uh, as well as teach some hard skills that might be uh, relevant in manufacturing or in the trades, which those are two of the predominant areas of employment here in Shelbyville and Shelby County. Uh, and so we're wanting to help people move from where they are uh, to sustainable employment. And uh, we believe that that's going to change our community in a lot of ways. You know, as we talk to employers and community leaders, we've heard that there's a lot of need for high quality employees. And uh, one of the biggest things they're saying is, man, we just struggle to find quality people. Uh, and so that's really the goal of that program is that individuals will be able to come in and find healing and find hope uh, and find some skills that are going to help them land long-term employment. The third piece uh, is a store, uh, a physical storefront here in Shelbyville that's going to sell local made goods. So individuals are going to be able to come into the shop. They're going to be able to build furniture or whatever uh, homemade good they would like to. And we want to have a place where people can actually sell those goods. And so if you're into painting or you're into sculpting or uh, you're into pottery or making candles or whatever it may be, we want to have a place where people can go and they can buy from other local makers here in the community. Uh, I mean, really, community is at the, the heart of all of this. You know, we want the community to get together and make and enjoy making together. We want the community to come together around really helping individuals find long-term employment. And lastly, we want a place where the community can come and really just enjoy buying things that were made by other folks in our community. Why did you decide to form this nonprofit? When I look at why we're starting this, it's, yeah, I want to restore community pride. I want there to be pride in Shelbyville and who we are and what we have here as a community. But I also want to meet needs. And, you know, again, as I'm talking to community leaders, as I'm talking to business owners, and they're saying, man, we're struggling to find quality employees. We're struggling to find people that can pass a drug test. We're struggling to find people that can show up on time. Um, to me, one of the biggest needs that we have is we need to go after people, right? And, and as a community, we can restore buildings and we can redo public square and we can do all these things. But if we aren't helping people, like we're really not going to move forward as a community. And so uh, being able to find individuals that have difficult past life experiences, maybe that's addiction, maybe it's incarceration, uh, maybe it's abuse of some sort, but being able to help individuals that have a difficult past, not only find healing through counseling, but also, you know, learning skills and, and finding pride in who they are as a person, that they have meaning and they have a purpose and they have a reason to be here and they have a reason to be a part of Shelbyville. And, you know, as, as a collective of people being able to move from poverty to moving them into long-term employment and sustainability, you know, I think ending some generational cycles that have just continued for years and years, uh, you know, I think that too is going to help lift kind of the morale of the community. You know, there's going to be restored pride when people are excited that they have a job that they go to and they're excited for the things that they get to buy their kids and that they get to own a home. And there's just so much pride that comes with 
elevating yourself out of, you know, current circumstances. And I think that's everybody, you know, I mean, it's, everybody wants to progress. They all want to move forward. They, they want to do better. Um, but that just looks different for a lot of people. And so showing that there's a different way, uh, and there's a way to move forward, um, that there's a better future ahead for, for a lot of the folks in our community. How do you see this organization continuing Shelby County's legacy in woodworking or in furniture making? So as I began looking into the history of Shelbyville, you know, I moved here about eight years ago and started looking into like, what is Shelbyville? Where did they come from? What are they known for? Uh, and I started to, to learn so much about the rich history of woodworking and uh, furniture manufacturing here in the community. I actually came across an article from the Shelby Democrat back in like 1879. And uh, in this small snippet, um, I just saw a pride in this place, in this community that um, I honestly, I, I struggle to see on a regular basis. Uh, but it says the, the country in which Shelbyville is situated is one of the most favored regions on the American continent. The richness of the soil, the productiveness of its magnificent farms, its abundance of fine water courses, and above all, the enterprise, thrift, and industry of its people all conspire to make Shelby a county equaled by few and surpassed by none other in the world. And I think for me, I'm looking at that and I'm like, man, there was a lot of pride in the land that Shelbyville sits on. There was a lot of pride in the farms and what comes from the farms. There's a lot of pride in just the natural water uh, sources that we have here. But above all, it was the people, right? It was the enterprise. It was the thrift. It was the industry of its people that made Shelby County a place surpassed by few. Uh, and, and, you know, as I moved into this community, uh, you know, there still is a rich history in manufacturing and industry. I mean, we have some of the largest, uh, you know, companies based out of Shelbyville that employ a lot of people in our community. And I think that that's still true today. I just, I want to continue to bring pride to the people of our community. And I want there to be pride in what we create in our community. Um, you know, I think that furniture is something that no matter where you live, uh, there's a need for it. And so uh, I think today a lot of folks are starting to see that all the mass kind of manufactured goods, uh, they just don't last. And so wanting to buy quality, uh, just kind of this idea of buy once, cry once, uh, you know, it may cost you more up front, but you're going to have this piece for a long time. Uh, and so not only taking individuals and creating pride and restoring pride in the individuals that call this place home, but creating a, a, a phenomenal product that people are proud to have in their home. Uh, every piece that comes out of the shop at the Shelby Supply Company is literally branded with the logo Shelby Supply Company, proudly made in Shelbyville, Indiana. And I just, I want to see this history continue far into the future. How is this similar and how is this different than Shelby County's past history with furniture making? Yeah, so when I look at a lot of these, you know, big furniture companies, I mean, their brand was we're gonna create the best product that we can. And I think Shelby Supply, the goal is, yeah, we're gonna create a quality product, but I wanna create quality people. You know, I really, it's about the employees more than it is about the product. And I, and I want there to be pride in what we create, and I want there to be quality craftsmanship. I want people to walk away with a table, with a bookshelf, with a headboard, with, with whatever we build for them. I want them to walk away incredibly proud that they own a piece of furniture made here in Shelbyville. But more than that, I want them to be pumped about the individual that built that furniture. You know, that that individual has a story and that individual has a future. And that by investing in furniture at Shelby Supply Company, you're investing in the betterment of other people, not just 
a big company that's going to make money off of, you know, the sale of that product. So to me, it's, it's the mission of, you know, let's raise people and let's invest in people. And we're going to do that by building furniture. With people as the core of your mission, what are the risks and what does success look like? You know, I think that success is going to look different for every person, honestly. You know, I think in America, we have kind of this status quo of, you know, somebody that's successful makes X amount of dollars and has X amount of kids and lives in a house with a white picket fence. And, you know, the more that I work with people, the more that honestly I've been able to experience by traveling um, just outside of the United States, you know, there are a lot of people that live very differently than I do. And it doesn't mean that they're broken or that they live a broken life. It just means they live a different life. And so I think expecting everybody to look the same and live the same way and have the same standard of living that I do, it's just, that's not realistic and that's not helpful. Um, you know, there's, there's no point in looking down on somebody that lives differently than I do. Um, in the same way, there's really no point to me looking up at people that live differently than I do. You know, I think that that's, one of the best parts of the community and in general, you know, that there is diversity in how people live, what they value, um, what they put their money in, how they raise their kids, the way that their home looks, the way they decorate things. Um, I think that to me, success with the Shelby Supply Company is, is moving people forward. And that could be a massive step. You know, it could be a step of, you know, man, I was homeless to now I'm a homeowner. Uh, it could be, man, I went from making $8 an hour at a, at a job to now I'm making a, a livable wage. Um, for some people, it could be, you know what, I, I went from never building anything ever to, man, I, I built a, a coffee table that's in my living room. You know, I think that success is, it's going to change based on who it is that we're working with and, and where they're at in life and what that looks like. Like to me, success is not everybody living the American dream. You know, success is different for everybody. And so if I'm going to stand here and say success looks this one way, I'm shorting so many people from the opportunity of moving forward. Um, you know, for some people, they, they might say my success is I went from renting a home to owning a home. That's a massive success. Because I think when you own your home, you start to own the community that you're in. You know, there's a sense of pride that comes with home ownership. You know, success for another individual might be man, I'm going to help my kid go to college, you know? And so being able to set aside funds and set aside resources uh, to be able to help their kid pay to go to school, that could be a form of success. Uh, landing a full-time job could be success for an individual. And how does the a diverse array of what successes are for individuals, how does that add to the community you're hoping to cultivate? I think that being able to bring people from so many different walks of life into one particular building, into a shop space and saying, hey, as a community, let's all create something. You know, that's going to be the retired guy that has been doing woodworking in his garage for 20 years. That's going to be, you know, an 18 year old kid that's like, man, I've never touched a drill before. And I think to put that older individual next to that younger individual and for them to be able to hear each other's stories and where they're coming from and what they've experienced and what they've learned, like that just, that makes a better community when we can learn from each other, when we can grow from each other, uh, you know, having a, a community space that people can come and interact together 
it's just a beautiful place where we can create and where we can learn and where we can grow and where we can challenge each other. And uh, I just, I think we're going to be a better place because of it. How long does a program like this last? So, uh, you know, a program like this is going to look different for everybody. Um, there's going to be some individuals that, that step into this program uh, and man, maybe they, they are really excited. They're ready to go. Uh, there's some other individuals that just honestly, it's going to take a while. There's, you know, maybe they've got some past life experiences that have created a lot of trauma, a lot of baggage. Uh, and so there might be a lot more counseling involved than just education. You know, it's, it's about the person, not the product. You know, we're building furniture and we're selling furniture to help fund, you know, people and working with people and for the betterment of other people. And so we could have some individuals that are in a program like this for a year. We could have some that are in it for a couple years, you know, but I think long term, the investment that we're going to make, you know, it, it's far more than just one person's lifetime. I think this is honestly just generational change. It's moving a family. It's moving descendants. It's moving our community in a better direction long term. And so uh, it's not going to be a quick fix. You know, it's not going to be a three month and you're done. It's definitely going to take time. Uh, and it could be, I mean, it could be many years, honestly. It all depends on the individual. You said that the program is just one piece of this endeavor the idea of having a communal workspace and also a shop. Are there opportunities for overlap, uh, for crossover work between these three legs of this program? Um, yeah, I would say uh, there's a ton of overlap, honestly. You know, uh, I, I currently am working out at Shelbyville Community Church. And, um, you know, as I've kind of cast a vision for what this shop could be. I've had so many people that have come up to me and said, I have zero woodworking skills, but I would love to get involved. Like, what does that look like? There are a lot of ways that people can get involved. You know, if you do have a history working in a trade or working with uh, woodworking equipment, like we would love to have you come in and be a mentor to individuals. We would love for you to come in while this makerspace is open and be kind of a, a resident expert in the area that, you know, if you have somebody that's shown up and they, they got this idea out of, a magazine or they saw something on Pinterest and they want to build, but they don't know how to do it. And we would love to have people in the community that come in and say, man, I just want to help people learn how to build stuff. Um, we could have people that are saying, you know what, I have no woodworking skill and I want nothing to do with that, but I would love to come in and teach a financial literacy class. Um, I would love to come in and teach interview skills. I would love to take people shopping um, or, you know, at least point people in the direction of this is something you should wear to an interview. Like there's so many opportunities for uh, non-woodworkers to get involved into this um, from a storefront side of things. You know, not only are we creating a place where we can sell goods, but that's also a training ground where we're teaching people marketing and sales and customer service and retail experience. You know, so if you run a storefront, if you uh, have any history in, in the business world, man, we'd love to have you come in and be a coach and help individuals that are learning those skills as well. Um, so building furniture is one aspect when it comes to this program. You know, we want to be able to connect people to the trades. We want to be able to connect people to manufacturing and, and ultimately help them land long-term employment in those fields. But at the same time, we want people to get into retail. We want people to get into marketing and accounting. Uh, and so really it's a multifaceted training ground, you know, where we're able to help give people some job skills and, and, I mean, honestly, this is kind of a modern day apprenticeship style program it is really what it boils down to. Uh, let's take people that 
know a particular field and let's take individuals that don't know that particular field let's partner them together and and hopefully we can help move somebody from not knowing anything to uh, long-term employment in that area this whole project is not only for the community but that it creates community too you know we're creating a space we're creating a shop space where individuals can come and be in community together uh, where individuals can come and invest into other people for the betterment of our community and really, you know, we're creating a product that people are going to be able to take and put in their homes that is going to draw community there too. You know, my favorite piece of furniture to build is a dining table because I love what it signifies in a home. Uh, I love what happens around a dinner table uh, or a dining table. You know, I love having a meal with my family and talking with my wife and my daughter about her day and what happened. And I love having uh, groups of friends together and, and playing games together uh, and just the community that takes place around a table that takes place in my home around this product that I have created there's just there's nothing like it you know the conversation that takes place around a coffee table while you're sitting and, and sharing a beverage and, and just catching up with friends or whatever uh, you know we're creating goods for community for the good of the community while we're doing it in community and I just to me that's that's the win in all of this is that we would be together and that we would be learning from each other and growing together and doing it for the betterment of other people. And how do you invite people uh, into something like this? Yeah, so right now uh, we're still uh, hammering out a lot of the details of uh, the nonprofit, um, doing a lot of work with some attorneys and stuff and, and getting that put together. Um, so we're still in some kind of intro stages of this. Uh, but if you want more information, you could visit shelbysupply.co uh, for Shelby Supply Co. Um, we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram as well, uh, just with at Shelby Supply Co. Uh, I'd love for you to join us online and just get little snippets and updates of what we've got going on. And uh, as progress is being made, we're going to continue to uh, share that and promote what's going on. And when we get a location that is open and uh, people are able to stop in, we'll definitely celebrate that and, and make sure that you're aware of what's going on. Um, so, uh, I'm excited for our community. I'm excited to see where Shelbyville's headed. You know, we've had 200 years and, uh, man, we've got many more ahead of us. And so I want to see us be a place that we're all proud to call home. And, uh, I want to see us invest into one another and into our community, uh, so that we can be that place that we're proud, proud of. Established in 2018, and Comium Ensemble is a three-member group based in the central Indiana area that plays a unique blend of music focused on the style of early music. Using a variety of instruments, they play songs from all over the world, some of which date back to the 1500s, and one song can even find its origins in the mid-500s. The word encomium itself has historic roots. A Latin word derived from Greek, it refers to a speech or piece of writing that praises someone or something highly. As many of the ensemble's musical selections have been used as a setting for poetry or hymns, the word is certainly fitting. Encomium Ensemble will be performing Hayden and Mayans, as well as Ostio and Seasons, all of which are from the 1821 publication The Seraph. As the publication was a mix of psalm tunes, hymns, and anthems, compiled around Shelby County's start, we can imagine those living then listening to the very music Encomium Ensemble is performing here.
Join us next time as we discuss the role of newspapers, both past and present, and how that role helped define Shelby County.